Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today for this episode. And I have my brand new, I'm not going to even say friend to be, we're already friends, um, my new friend, Adam Mason. And uh, just before we hit the record button, Adam, I, I said to you, let's let's just kind of dive right in and have some raw conversation, getting to know each other um, as our Boca Podcast listeners listen in. So we're going to do just that. Thanks so much for making time for our podcast today. Dude, absolutely. Always happy to talk. Well, and and speaking of talking, this is part of what you do uh, as a profession. You have your own podcast, and we're going to get into that here in just a second. But the first thing that we normally do at the Boca Podcast is dive into what we call an aha moment. Um, And very simply, it would be the biggest or hardest lesson that you've learned as a photography business owner. So I'm curious what that would be for you. Yeah, I think, honestly, it doesn't have to do with gear or anything specific to photography other than you know, when I went to college, I actually got kicked out of college and I felt a lot of shame for that, for my reasoning and stuff like that. And so when I originally started my business kind of as a side gig, I never incorporated any of my personality into any facets of my brand. And, you know, for me, that was a safe route for me. That was, it was more attainable to just say, Hey, here's, here's what I can do. You know, it's not about me. And I I didn't want it to be about me ever. And then over time, clients were like, Adam, we hire you for you. Like your photos are part of it, but then we want your personality on our wedding day. We're spending 10 hours with you, 12 hours with you, and you're helpful throughout the wedding process. Like, don't be ashamed of who you are. And, you know, you can incorporate yourself into your brand. And so honestly, that has been kind of the click for me that it's okay to be me in my brand. And, you know, all the brands I follow, though, you know, you think of big brands like Apple and Beats by Dre and phone companies and stuff like that. And, you don't really think of a person too much. You think of a brand. And that's kind of what I was originally thinking. But then I realized that my business is my personal brand. And part of being a freelancer is the personality into it. And so for me, that really helped kind of switch gears into this motivational, personal driven photography business. And it's it's been amazing ever since. Oh, I love it. Well, and the simple notion of being yourself, I mean, we could, we could kind of break that down into a lot more detail. I'm actually even more curious, though, if you'd be willing to share what, what led to you being kicked out of college. Because I can, I can imagine that an experience like that would definitely tend to suppress you um, kind of living out loud, if you will, being yourself and being comfortable with that. What was that experience, if you could sum it up? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I grew up in an area in southern Delaware where most people didn't plan on going to school. I was the first person in my direct family to go to college. And I wasn't even planning on going to school. I actually ended up getting a scholarship for guitar, if you can believe that. And so that was kind of random. And my whole time in school, I just felt like a fish out of water and was still just trying to get used to the vibe of being around people all the time. And I went to a very, very conservative Bible college in Pennsylvania. And so I was still trying to find myself and figure things out. And essentially, there were some rules that I broke that at most colleges, they would just giggle at be like, what? <laughs> and, uh, and I felt convicted about it. You know, my, my main thing is I want to do everything I say and I want to be a man of character. And so sure. I went to the school and just told them and they were like, well, 
these are our rules and you broke them. And uh, essentially one, one thing led to another and they're like, we're going to have to expel you. And so that was kind of my turning point. You know, my plan was just to keep playing music. And it was after college being kicked out that I went overseas. And we'll get into this a little bit, but that's when photography kind of found me. Wow. Okay. So I, I, I see potentially multiple podcast episodes coming from this, but um, <laughs> you and I share a similar background in that I also, and this is not something I've really talked about on, on the podcast, but I also went to a, an extremely conservative Christian college um, years and years ago. It's been probably about 20 years ago or so now, but I, I can absolutely relate to being in that extremely strict environment where things, as you say, that that most people and most universities would probably laugh at were not only frowned upon, but ultimately punished pretty severely. So I get what that means. But I also understand what being in that environment does to certainly myself as an individual. I mean, I'm still almost recovering from it, if you will, um, and, and making you question who you are and what you believe and how that translates to, to living life as an individual and being confident in that. When you have those types of things questioned on a very severe level, it's easy to doubt yourself. And when it comes to running your business and making sure that you're actually creating a brand that stands out, there's no question at this point in time, especially with um, technology becoming what it is and making it easier for any and everyone to be a photographer, that you have to let your personality shine through in order to create a unique experience for those potential clients out there. So this is an experience and ultimately a challenge that I can absolutely empathize with. And I'm sure that our listeners can on multiple levels. I appreciate you kind of starting us out with that. And maybe we can dive into a little bit more when we talk about your brand, not how you've let your personality shine through in your brand, because I'm sure that would be encouraging to our listeners as well. Before we get there, though, and, and really we've already kind of touched on you as an individual, I'd love to hear more about you. And there's actually a, a really fun quote on your site that says, less bouquet toss, more bourbon. So I have to ask <laughs> you before I even ask about your wife and, and what you guys do on a, like a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week basis, what is your favorite bourbon? So this is going to be even funnier, but I, it's all in the, the sake of transparency. So uh, my wife and I don't even drink. But in order to kind of fit the idea and for people to understand kind of where I'm coming from, yeah. I wrote that little kind of checklist or that motif, if you will. And I was like, my kind of client will will have a favorite bourbon, if you will. Like they'll know they'll be into that. And so for me, I have no idea, you know, I'm <laughs> slowly learning over time. I love it. But I knew that a lot of my clients kind of fit that bill and, and that would resonate with them. Yeah. And I knew that we could kind of be on the same plane, you know, and if I drank, I probably would drink bourbon, you know, so I, I think it, we landed somewhere <laughs> between there. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, it is really important to speak our, our clients or potential clients language. So I, I totally get where you're coming from there. I, you also, also from your website, less about Pinterest, more about people. And then to that point, you said I was born from meeting people and telling their stories. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I was uh, raised by a single mom and with that comes with just a few kind of life complications. And I feel super blessed for the life I had. But a lot of my time growing up at, before I could drive was spent with my mom at work after school. And uh, she worked in a hair salon as a hairstylist. And that's a place where people share all kinds of things about their life. It's very personable. It's very routine as people come in, you know, every four to six weeks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I just got to meet so many different people and kind of learn about culture. And hair is different for everybody and their personalities and their styles. And I didn't know this at the time, you know, I was just like, hey, this is where my mom works and I'm just kind of learning. Uh, but I loved that. And kind of going back to what we started with, with just my own personality, I was feeling, realizing that I love to hear people's stories, you know, and one of my personal goals is to photograph people who've never been photographed before. And 
I continue to love that. And that's kind of my mindset when I go into a wedding or I'm doing international stuff is I want to give, I want to tell somebody's authentic story and yeah, it's just been, it's been really fun. And so I love meeting new people. Everybody will tell you that I'm an extrovert and, uh, I get tons of energy from talking to people and hanging out with them. And do you think that you learned part of what it meant to be a good conversationalist or storyteller just from listening to those conversations there in the salon? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Cause I mean, you know, there's the routine of it, of appointments, but every week something different might be going on in somebody's life. And it's, and just the idea of it's good to check in, you know, like Nathan, if you and I are friends, it wouldn't just be like, Hey, we're friends. And then we never talk. It's, Hey, yeah. let's check in. Let's have routine because there are other variables going on in friendship. And this is a very boring way to look at friendship, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, there are variables happening that you think, oh, well, what's going on in this person's job? What about their spouse? What about their life? What about their dreams? What are their long-term goals? Are they, what's their progress on them? And uh, it was really cool just to see people walk through different pieces of their lives and different facets. And some people de- dealed with some really big stuff. You know, They had hurts in their family or hang-ups going on personally. And so that was really cool. And I think it helped a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and that kind of perspective has to be extremely enlightening, especially now as um, part of what you do, having conversations with people, how, how to, uh, you know, and this is still something that I'm learning here on the podcast is how to ask the right questions ultimately in a way that enables or encourages deeper conversation. Uh, totally. I'm, I'm still experimenting with that on my, uh, certainly just on an individual level when I have conversations with people, whether it's in the airport or at a conference or otherwise. Um, but it, it's always a, an interesting challenge to learn how to approach a conversation in order to encourage deeper connection. Absolutely. I feel like even when I record my own episodes or there are times and I'll have a very engaging conversation about a certain topic and I go, this would be a good podcast subject, but then I'll try and find a guest that's an expert on it and I'll have my questions ready to go. And it really just doesn't feel like a good back and forth. It really just feels like, you know, like I'm sending them a questionnaire and they just put in their kind of cookie cutter answer, if you will. And I, I really love kind of the going back and forth, diving in critical thinking conversation and, um, I think that's what the, is the most valuable for your podcast in general is just this is not a billboard per se. This is kind of a little bit behind the scenes. It's a little bit more casual. It's comfortable. And uh, yeah, it's I'm so glad that we can kind of like bounce back and forth and, and dive in. I appreciate it. No, it's really good. I actually I take some of my cues as a uh, still in kind of a rookie podcaster from Two podcasts in particular. One is Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, um, for those of you guys we've, who've listened to the show for a while, we've, we've mentioned Tim a number of times on the podcast. He's written a number of books. He also has a, um, a quite a popular podcast. And his, his podcasting style is, I mean, just to be frank, relatively dry, but it's, it is very pointed. Um, and he is going in a very specific direction with the conversation. And, and with some of the guests that he has come on the podcast, it's extremely informative. I, I do and sometimes, or I have in the past, kind of sped it up to one and a half X or two X um, in order to make it a little bit more consumable, but extremely informative. The flip side to that is uh, I listen to a guy named Joe Rogan, who is a, a former TV personality. He's a commentator for UFC, mixed martial arts brand. And he does these two to three hour long podcasts where it's basically, even when he has people on that he doesn't know that well, it's still two to three hour podcasts where the conversation is just free form. And I'm fascinated by that because I'm, I'm not necessarily a small talker, but I'd love to be able to kind of combine that style with Tim's style, make sure that there's informative episodes being put out through the book of podcasts, but then also that it's relaxed enough that it doesn't feel stilted or stiff like you were talking about, that there is an easy back and forth. 
And so it's an ongoing challenge. I, I love the, the so-called art of conversation, but I, I have to say you're already making it easy for me today. <laughs> so thanks for that. Um, <laughs> no I, problem. You mentioned your wife, Sarah, and you proposed to her in Iceland. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, such a, yeah, this is insane. It, it doesn't even feel like that's my life, you know, like that feels like a good idea that I would tell somebody on how to propose uh, or like one of my couples, if they ask for advice, I'd be like, yeah, you should do that in a country that means a lot to you. So <laughs> uh, just be kind of because of random happenstance, I spent uh, a few few different trips in Iceland uh, the past two years. And during that time, I was dating my who would be my wife, Sarah, and it was time to propose. We had gone through some premarital counseling. We did that before we got engaged, just per advice of some friends. And we got some other buddies to go with us. And yeah, we, I wanted to kind of make something special. And both of us are not necessarily, you know, big showy kind of people, but these are events that are big and showy worthy, if you will. (laughs) And so I wanted to do something that was really special. And I made a video about my proposal and that was kind of me being open about my my life, if you will, and and uh, again, not being afraid to share. Like this is kind of a private thing. Like oh, I proposed to my wife. Like I even have video of me like calling her dad and asking for his permission. No way. Uh, yeah, and so I put that in there, and I'm crying in the video because I'm like, man, this is it. Like we're going to ask, you know, this woman to be my wife, and wow. you know, someday my kids will get to watch that, uh, and generations will get to watch that, and hopefully somebody else feels inspired just to kind of be themselves and do their own thing. And so uh, I'm getting off topic, but we were in Iceland and with our buddies and we're just kind of doing what's called the ring road. And so that's all the way around the country. Uh, if you hear people talk about Iceland, they'll say the golden circle. Okay. That's kind of like, that's like the shorter tourist circuit. It's a little bit easier to do. You can do it in about a day, but the ring road, if you will, that if you drive as fast as possible and don't run off any of the mountains still takes about 48 hours. And so we did that kind of stopping at key places over you know, four or five days and three or four days into it, we were at this epic waterfall that I love named Skogafoss. And yeah, I kind of set up two cameras. I was vlogging the whole time just for fun. Wow. And a few different times before our trip, uh, like Valentine's Day and our anniversary, I had had us take photos together, like in front of my tripod, just so she would get used to the idea of like, hey, let's take a photo together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But she would have no idea. So I was kind of like training her brain to think, oh, Adam, what's a cool photo of us in front of this thing? Like, whatever. Perfect. And so I like set up the cameras and she was like kind of doing her thing. And yeah, and then I was like, I have something for you. And in Iceland, there's these like rock tower art structures and she was fascinated by them. So she was kind of like looking at that and working on her own. And she thought I had a rock for her. But in real life, I had a a diamond for her. Yeah, legit rock (laughs) for her. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. And yeah, man, it was uh, she said, yes, of course. And we got married seven months later and she's amazing. She's she's just she just got accepted to another school, a graduate program to get her second master's to go back for early childhood education. And wow. like, she's amazing, dude. She's after school care and family services program designer for a nonprofit in the district that works with kids in government housing projects. And she's just she's brilliant. She is so passionate and she just loves people so well. And she inspires me a lot. And so every day kind of living with her, I'm like, man, I want to be like her. I want to be a better person. That's that's amazing. Uh, and, and I kind of get goosebumps even just listening to it. I love hearing that kind of passion come through when somebody's describing their significant other. And she sounds really, truly amazing. How do you guys like to spend like if, if you have free time through the week or in the weekend, how do you like to spend time together? For a lot of us, her schedule is a little bit crazy, you know, mostly being after school and, and trying to care for kids. 
that need a little bit more time before their parents get off of work or family members are able to take care of them. But when we do spend time together, we're trying to be consistent in our traveling. But honestly, I think we just love being together, you know, going through a Netflix series or going to a restaurant or just kind of walking around. There are a few places in D.C. that we can kind of just tour and they're always kind of changing. And so it makes things really great. Oh, yeah. Actually, you mentioned D.C. I took my kids up to D.C. It's been a couple of years ago. And of course, we walked the mall and did the museums and, and of course, barely even touched what was in those museums. Uh, it, it's amazing to me for those who live in that area, the just endless opportunity for exploration and learning and conversation. It, it seems like you'd have endless numbers of dates just just going to those museums there on the mall. It'd be amazing. Totally. It's something I read, which blows my mind to this date. But there are a lot of restaurants in D.C., obviously. There's a lot of people. But this stat was so weird. And it said there are more restaurants per 100,000 people in D.C. than in New York City. And I was like, yeah. And and I think it's just one of those per capita stats that kind of works out for the smaller entity. Sure. D.C. is about 650,000 people. And that's just mind boggling. It's something like 300 restaurants per 100,000 people. And yeah, I mean, that would take a year just to do the first set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of endless dates. Wow. That's really, really cool. How, how do you guys, so you talk about spending time together, going out and, and I love those kinds of simple opportunities to spend time together. What's, you know, whether it's a quiet evening at home or go grab something to eat or go to a museum, but how do you create that time for yourselves? Are there certain things that you do, certain tools, techniques that you utilize to create, even if it's a couple hours here and there to spend time together? Yeah, totally. So about halfway through each month, we will send each other the events on our calendar for the following month. And that's just kind of like what dates we have accounted for. You know, maybe she planned something or there's a concert or something to go to that she's put on. And we'll kind of start that pretty early because what we've learned is that if we don't fill our calendar, something else will. And so we try to communicate that best. We share a calendar on Google Docs uh, and Google Calendar as well. And that's been the, the biggest thing. And then recently this year, we kind of just talked about our values and what we want and what kind of dates we want to have. You know, we spend a a few watching Netflix or eating or going to, you know, parties or whatever. And we started doing more intentional dates while we were dating, or at least we would do kind of like a, a reading date, if you will. And we'd kind of pray together and just talk about those things that don't come up all the time during the week, you know, it's like, you know how your wife's day was, but you don't know how your wife's week was unless you ask because, but you have all the, it's like the sum of its parts is, is greater. And so we mostly talk about kind of what are we thinking? What are we scared of each week? And we've been trying to have more intentional dates about that. And so, uh, if there's blank space in the calendar and, we're trying to have at least one time a week or two times a week where you can say, hey, this is devoted to us. You know, we'll try and do that. And unfortunately, as much as I love going to see movies and stuff like that, we'll we'll try to pull back on those and just say, hey, let's find some time to just chat and hang out or let's talk about a book that you're reading. You know, like really, it's a little bit of work. And of course, I'm learning, you know, nine months in that marriages work. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's really putting that effort forward, you know, and yes. so uh for me, that's kind of new, but I'm, I'm trying, even though I've, I've married this woman, I, there's still a lot more to know and there's still so much more to get to know. And so, uh, just ironing out that calendar 
has been pretty key for us. And then uh, using Do Not Disturb on our cell phones has been helpful as well. <laughs> no, that's so good. But, you know, this has been a theme actually on the podcast that I've, I've been hearing from various guests that it's really just a matter of being proactive. You know, you, you plan your, in, this, in your case, you're planning your calendar. You're making the concerted effort to just simply sit down and have real conversation to go a little bit deeper. And as you mentioned, you're in a, in a little bit of a unique situation in that you're still just getting to know her, which is a really beautiful thing and an exciting time. Um, I just love the notion of proactivity and no excuses, you know, because it is so easy to get caught up in all the busy work that, that comes along with running a business or multiple businesses. But at the end of the day, we will make time for the things that are most important to us and our schedule will reflect what is most important to us. And I love that you guys are being proactive about that. So that's really, really cool. Um, you, you mentioned, I mean, we've talked briefly about your, your photography business and also your podcast. And I'll just go ahead and throw out uh, your website now. We'll mention this again at the end and of course put it in the show notes, but just very simply, Adam Mason, A-D-A-M and then M-A-S-O-N, adammason.com. You guys make sure you go check out Adam's website and you can even see a picture uh, where Adam is proposing to his wife, Sarah. Really, really cool <laughs> stuff. But um, how long have you actually, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the podcast here in a little bit, but how long have you been in photography? I've been doing photography just kind of general, not just professionally since 2010. And I just wanted to kind of mention one random thing about ironing at our time because I think it'll be important. Yeah. Is something that helps me stay accountable is if you fail to plan, then you're planning to fail. And that's kind of been my my big proactive number. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was uh, kind of that's our mindset is if, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Absolutely. But yeah, I totally forgot what we were talking about just now. <laughs> Not at all. No, but it, that is actually a great quote and a good reminder. And, and uh, we'll, we'll need to put that in the show notes for all of our listeners to copy and paste into their screensaver or their desktop or whatever. But um, <laughs> it, it is a it is a really great point. And, and you know, again, to our to our conversation, simple proactivity and in this case, making an effort simply to plan. Um, it is very easy to share calendars these days. It's, it's a really easy way then to create time for the important people in your life. So, no, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you interrupted me. Continue to do so. Um, but I was just asking you how long you've been in business. So you said back in 2010 is about the time you got started? Yeah, I got started in photography in 2010 and then shot my first wedding in 2012. Okay, so about five years that you've been shooting weddings. And um, I'm curious, especially in D.C., being a, a relatively crowded market, a busy market for photographers, what is your business's brand position? How do you communicate that? Totally. It is, D.C. is insane. I had no idea, but uh, I have some friends that work at Facebook, and we were kind of, they were able to give me some data. And they said that just on Facebook, there are over 20,000 DC photographers. Wow. And so that was just mind boggling to me. And that might be in the DMV area, uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia, but that is a lot of competition. It is a very competitive market for me. My main thing kind of going back to my aha moment, but it was introducing my personality into my brand, showcasing my values and just being authentic. And for me, I think there's a lot of couples in the DC area that, you know, they have a large budget and they care about certain things, but that set of things they care about isn't necessarily what is the, the wedding stereotype, if you will. And so I found a kind of this amazing group of clients that love great photography, love art, love authenticity, but they don't necessarily care about having photos of their flowers. And I still shoot photos of my flowers (laughs) for couples, but it's been really cool just to kind of tell couples, Hey, I'm not going to put you in a box. I don't want you to look like 
Adam Mason's work. I want you to look like you guys. And so I do a lot of work to get to know my couples before they book and even during the booking process, just so that 50, 60, 70 years from now, their photos still look like who they are at that time, you know, and they can tell their kids, their grandkids like, yeah, that's what grandpa looked like back then. And for me, that's even how I sell engagement sessions is, you know, a lot of my couples with them not necessarily caring about kind of the the details of weddings per se. They're like, why should we do an engagement session? And I say, well, where do you guys like to go on dates? What do you like to do? What are your what are your fun hobbies? And then I'll usually incorporate that into their engagement session. And it's so much fun because I'm like, guys, like, again, 50 years from now, you can tell people, hey, this is how we dressed. This is the bar we went to. This is, you know, the game we went to. I had a couple that played video games professionally. Professionally. Da- wow. Yeah. And they've been dating for 12 years. And uh, in D.C., I'm sure one of them worked for like DOD or something like that and sure. had kind of government jobs. And I was like, guys, for your engagement session, there's an arcade by my house. Let's go do your engagement session at the arcade. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And it's just and seriously, like. It was my first time shooting at an arcade and I had to make sure that I was ready for the lighting situations. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it was so personable to them. And it was the first time I had done that. And they felt special about that as well, that, you know, they could have something that was just for them and didn't necessarily have to be they didn't have to fit in this mold from other couples. So that's a long answer. But that's kind of where I I go for my couples is saying, hey, like, you don't have to fit in a box. You can be big, small, white, black, yellow. It doesn't matter. Like, you know. I want to tell your story, whatever that is. That's cool. And and to that quote earlier from earlier, less about Pinterest, more about people. I, I love that you're actually living that out. So you're shooting an engagement session at, a, at an arcade. Is that about an hour session, a couple hours? Like how long would a session like that take? Usually it's just between like an hour or two. It really depends on kind of how comfortable the couple is feeling. You know, at the beginning, yeah. we're kind of getting them warmed up. And, and a lot of my couples still feel uncomfortable getting their photos taken even at that moment. And so it takes a while to kind of warm up, find out what poses work for them, you know, what makes them laugh or giggle. And then in the arcade, though, it was a little bit easier because, you know, we started out and I said, hey, guys, here's a few quarters. Why don't you guys play Pac-Man or whatever game they're playing (laughs) and just let them kind of have a date on them, you know, on themselves. And I kind of warm them up a little bit shooting that and shooting their interactions because they're both very competitive, obviously. And yeah, it can usually last between an hour or two. And if I'm having a lot of fun, to be honest, or, you know, maybe something's happening in the sky, even after the sun's gone down, I will definitely try and push longer. You know, like I, I want to make super fun stuff still. And that time spent with my couples is super valuable. That's cool. So it, it, you, you go to the session, what would you take in your gear bag? Or I guess more specifically, what would you, what would you say is maybe your favorite lens, for example, or favorite piece of equipment that you'd use on a shoot like that? Yeah, totally. I, it sounds really silly, but my favorite lens is just the 3514. You know, I shoot Nikon, I used to shoot Canon, and the focal length is really hard to make a interesting composition with, but once you lock something in, it's it's been so useful for me just to be able to tell the story and have the couple in a photo at the same time. Yep. And uh, it, it's it's still my favorite. It's what I use all the time and sometimes I'll challenge myself and I'll carry something else with me and only those lenses, but the 35 is like if I only had one lens, that's what I would use. <laughs> that's really interesting. But when you talk about telling the story, you're talking about that wide angle giving context to the photo of the couple, correct? Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Well, I, I'm, I want to kind of transition from your photography business and, and just touch on your podcast a little bit and make sure that you get some exposure for that too. One of the reasons, really probably the main reason I, that I, I wanted to have you on our podcast is because you are a fellow podcaster 
and your podcast mission. And, and actually, let me let you just intro the podcast for our listeners and talk a little bit about how they can find that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I host a podcast called The Bearded Tog. And the goal of The Bearded Tog is to help you take your dream and turn it into a sustainable business. And what that means for us is when I first started, I didn't really have anybody to talk to or ask questions about the photography business. And so I wanted kind of a a pocket guide, if you will. You know, I wanted a place where people could go and say, I wonder how this one professional, and I think any pr- professional photographer could do this, but for me, it's me uh, or my guests, and just say, I wonder how this person feels about Instagram marketing. What do they do? And I wanted to just talk about that and be open with that. And through different things of different topics that we've covered, we've been really, really blessed with just covering all kinds of stuff from Instagram to dealing with imposter syndrome and feeling like you're not good enough and just all kinds of facets that people go through, entrepreneurs go through from starting to, you know, their business before they even leave their full-time job to people who are like you and I, and maybe have been doing this for a while. So it's been really, really fun. And uh, I appreciate the photographer pun you saying, uh, giving us some exposure. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well played, well played. When you talk about sustainable business, though, I mean, that's a, that's a phrase or a term that we hear kind of thrown around a little bit. What is your perspective on, on those couple of words? What does that mean to you? And what, why do you think it's important to, for professional photographers? I think, you know, just like in kind of the resources you know, things are coming up, especially in a place like DC or anywhere on the East Coast. We think of like sustainable food sources, sustainable energy sources. But the reality is that we need sustainable personhoods. We need sustainable businesses. And so for me, what that looks like is not just trying to make a quick buck in one year. Like this sounds terrible and please don't anybody do this, but you could easily, you know, if you had some business know-how, start a, a business, not even photography, but start a business and within a year probably generate some income. And if you don't want to tell the IRS about that, you could probably just keep that. And, you know, it is what it is. I wouldn't advise you for that, obviously. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> yeah, to be very, very clear. But honestly, you know, for for me, what I've learned is just if I want to do this in the long term, whatever that looks like, maybe that's 10, 20 years, is I need to make sure that financially, you know, it's sustainable, making sure we're profiting, making sure we're comfortable, maybe we're able to buy gear and you know, take on new things and even silly stuff, you know, like your website costs money and there gets to a point where you don't want to run lean anymore. And, uh, you know, at least financially and, and, you know, that's probably where I'm at. And so, you know, you want to find out what your values are in the business. And then also just personally, you want to make sure that you, it's sustainable for you personally. That's why some people shoot 10 weddings. That's why some people shoot 50 weddings. Right. And then another time is that, you know, honestly, you have to just think about socially and what are your goals personally you know, and how can you make sure that those are still happening in your life? You know, like you don't want to shoot every single minute of every single day, even as much as sometimes that sounds like it would be fun. You have to make time for these other external sources to, to give you life, whether that's seeing a movie, hanging out with a small group or going hiking or reading a favorite book. Like you have to make time for other things just to get inside of you and alter who you are or else you're, you're not growing in any of those three areas if you're not doing that. Well, I, I'm going to simply, I, I'm going to let your podcast do the speaking for both you and I, and we'll make sure to link to the podcast uh, in our show notes. Go ahead and share with our listeners, though, where they, can they find you on iTunes? Are there other sources as well? Yeah, absolutely. So iTunes is the best place. You can just search for The Bearded Tog. Uh, and also recently, we just got onto Spotify. So Android oh, and you. iOS users. Yeah, super excited. We got an email from our host saying, hey, Spotify's looking for 
kind of topical subjects. And I was like, well, let's just try. And we got put on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify and want to go listen right now, go for it. And, uh, you know, I see a few plays coming from Spotify, which is kind of cool. That's really, really awesome. Well, based on those conversations then that you're having with various photographers, professionals from the photo industry, I'd be curious if you'd share maybe the top three or so steps that that you've learned from these photographers, and, and I'm sure from your own experience as well, um, that photographers can take now toward building a more sustainable business, kind of a, a next action, a takeaway, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I would say the first one uh, I learned from Tony Hoffer, who's a, one of my favorite photographers, and he will tell you this in his workshops, but he only cares about two things, the people and the work. And to put that in perspective, that's more than I care about, or that's less than I care about in my business. Like, <laughs> I, I care about, you know, things like SEO or yeah. finances. And so, you know, for him, it's really cool just to say, hey, I want to level these two facets of my business way up as high as I can go. And it's worked for him super well. And people that are attracted to the work and their relationship with him and his wife, who's his co-shooter, like that is brilliant. And so that's been really good for me is just to say, what few facets in my life do I want to bring up? And so a lot of times I feel like there's a lot of noise out there about, hey, make sure, make sure that you're paying attention to social media. And it can just be so, you know, it, it just makes you feel empty inside. And so once you look at your social media and it just makes you feel like you're not good enough or you're not doing enough, it's super difficult to kind of find your balance in there. And it always feels like you could spend more time on social media. And so what if that wasn't, you know, I, I know photographers who are successful and they don't even have an Instagram account, which sounds insane, but they've chosen to focus on a few other variables in their business right. that they're, they're better at or they're more passionate about. And I, I would advise people to do that. Uh, secondly would be Abby Grace. She kind of helped me be authentic in my brand. Kind of everything we talked about today is just Adam, be yourself. That is the, that is the thing that will separate you from everybody else. People can take photos like you and you, it's kind of humbling, but you have to realize that you're not original. You know, your work's not original. That's true. And, you know, but your personality is and your perspective is and how well you'll care for your clients is. And so that's the second thing. And then, uh, honestly, the third thing is just chasing dreams. I learned that from Natalie Frank is honestly just to go for it, try something new and, if you include friends and create community over competition, oftentimes you'll be left better than you were before if you went alone. And as freelancers, that's something we have to remember. Well, when you say go for your dreams, I mean, again, this would be a phrase that's kind of thrown around a good bit these days. But what, what is like, make that practical for us. What does a dream look like for you? What, what's a big dream that you have in your business or with the podcast? Yeah, I mean, at least for me, my, my initial dream was to go full time with photography and have it be successful and make profit and provide for my personal needs and things that came up. So for a lot of people, I think that is the first dream. Uh, for us now, it looks like maybe retiring early or trying to find that next dream, at least personally. And then podcast wise, it'd be really great just for us to have 100 episodes. So we're trying really hard this this year to push out an episode every week and try and just serve entrepreneurs better. Yeah, you know, like that's my my main goal is just to, to have so much content in there that people can use and people can go to and they they don't have to pay for anything. And we have opportunities for mentoring. We have opportunities for editing and stuff like that. But I want it to be something where people can get from level zero to level one, hopefully a little bit easier. I love it. I love it. There is something so fulfilling about even just having a simple conversation with a photographer who is working on developing their business and, and saying something or being able to do something for them that makes even a small difference in, in their efforts. 
Um, it's so extremely fulfilling, and, and you and I both have the opportunity to be able to, to do that in the photo industry by sharing with photographers these these wonderful conversations. I think it's really exciting. I love that you're going for your dreams, and of course, you have the really cool opportunity to do that now with your new wife, which is always fun. Being yourself, we talked about that idea a little bit, and, and back to your first point from Tony, I love that the order of, of focuses there was people and then work. Um, while the work is important, as you just mentioned, there are you know a million photographers out there that that can take a decent picture, and that's just the professionals. That, that that's not even including the prosumer or the consumer who can take a decent picture now because of technology. And uh, we have to keep that in mind. At the end of the day, it, it needs to start with the people, the experience that you're providing for those people. Part of that experience is letting your personality shine through in the business. But um, I, I think that's really, yeah. really important to stress that people do come first, should come first. The work is important. You need to maintain some standard for yourself as a photographer, but the people have to come first or you won't have a sustainable business. So these are really, totally. really great tips. And, and I know we're just kind of teasing these principles and these concepts. You guys make sure that you check out uh, Adam's podcast, The Bearded Tog. Go to iTunes or Spotify. That's really, really exciting that you got on there. And um, if you'll just kind of close us out by letting us, our, our listeners just kind of reiterating where they can find you online, both your photography website uh, as well as the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So my main place of communication is Instagram. I'm on there every day posting, DMing, talking back and forth with uh, other photographers or business owners. And that's just Mason, M-A-S-O-N, photography. Uh, and then my website's just adamason.com. And there's links for photographer education, like the podcast and stuff like that there. And then also you can see kind of some of my work and kind of see some of my quirky and rebellious personality. Oh, I love it. The photography there is great. There's a beautiful picture of you and your wife, I guess, on your wedding day where there's just this raw emotion coming out. I think it's awesome. I love that kind of thing. But thank you so much for making time for us today, Adam. And uh, we'll make sure to link to all this information on our show notes. Thanks so much for sharing with our listeners. Dude, absolutely. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come.